But we haven't had to do that with the Chosen. Chosen's been right on. <laughs> well, you know what? That's all right. Oh, man. Very good. We are in Hebrews 12. We're going to start 1218 today. And, you know, I like to procrastinate and put things off and not give in to the final thing. So before we get into Hebrews, I'm going to ask you if you did your homework. Do you remember? I signed you homework. It was just a little, I just murmured it. Yeah, I know. I kind of sneak attack. So at the end, the end of when it talks about um, the end of the first half of Hebrews 12, it says strengthen your knees, strengthen your legs. And he goes through this, get ready, run race, run hard. And all of that is reflecting back to Isaiah 35. So now that you went to all the trouble to find Hebrews 12, I'm going to take you to Isaiah 35. We're going to jump around a lot today. I will just warn you now. Isaiah 35 comes when Babylon is coming and they're going to destroy Israel. And it's just going to be awful. And the Assyrians, just war and famine. And God gives Isaiah these things to tell the people that you are going to recover from this. This is going to be terrible. And you're going to recover. And here's what's going to happen. Isaiah 35. The wilderness and the dry land will be glad. The desert will rejoice and blossom like a crocus. It'll blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The wilderness is going to rejoice. Now, that doesn't mean the ground is all going to be going. Burr, 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 burr. It's going to be full of people rejoicing, right? Just like the first week in October, we say Franklin Street was wild. The street wasn't wild. There were a whole bunch of people on the street and they were all wild, right? The wilderness will be rejoicing. The desert will rejoice. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. And the majesty of Carmel and Sharon, these are all cities and areas. They'll see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. So it goes on. The whole th you should read the whole thing. It's really good. The whole bit. It's very cheering you on. It is uplifting. It is encouraging. Um, yeah, it's about the kingdom of heaven coming. So you get that in your head of... He mentions in Hebrews, strengthen your knees, strengthen your hands. The day of the Lord. Yes, he's coming. And then he's going to talk. Remember Hebrews, it's all encouraging people. Stay Christian. Keep following Jesus. Keep your faith. And then he's had this. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than angels. Here's all these people who were faithful to the end. And now starts to talk a little bit about the end of the world and the final judgment and that kind of thing. 
You have not come to what may be touched. This is 12, Hebrews 12, 18. You have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. Doesn't that sound crazy? Notice right at the beginning, he says, you have not come to something that could be touched. Well, that's a little weird because the thing that he's talking about, there were explicit rules that you could not touch it. But he opens with, you're not coming to a thing that can be touched. So hang that up somewhere because that's weird and we're going to come back to that. What he's talking about is the best day ever in the past for the Jewish people. And that was the day on Mount Sinai when Moses gave the law. The birthday of the law. The law is so good and the law is so wonderful. And oh, you know, King David would say, oh, how I love your law. It is the best thing. So the day that that law was given is the best day ever. And that's the day that he's talking about in Hebrews. We have not come to a thing that could be touched. And then he goes through Exodus 19. So here's what happened in Exodus 19. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, so they've come out of Egypt, three moons have passed. So about 90 days, about three months. They are far away from Egypt, right? Just to give you a perspective, 90 days ago, it was uh, Halloween. So Halloween seems like it was a long time ago. That's how far back it was from the Red Sea to Mount Sinai. Three months. They set out from Rephidim, came to the wilderness of Sinai. They camped in the wilderness and they Israel camped around the mountain, the mountain, it says. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain. God talks to Moses and he says, this is what you say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel. You've seen what I did to the Egyptians. I've borne you out on eagles wings. I brought you to myself. So obey my voice, keep my covenant and you will be my treasured possession." God is starting to make his covenant. He's starting to word his way through the covenant. So Moses comes and he tells all the people and all the people say all that the Lord said we will do. Remember, this is only three months into the whole book of Exodus. <laughs> you all know what happens. Moses tells what tells the people. The people say we'll do everything God says. Moses goes back to the Lord and he says all the people said it. The Lord says, I'm going to come to you in a thick cloud so that the people can hear when I speak with you and they will believe you. So then Moses goes back. We don't have time. It's so crazy, you guys. We do not have a timetable in Exodus. Like we don't know how fast the, the 10 plagues happened. Every once in a while, it gives us a timetable like three moons later. But Moses goes up on the top of the mountain, talks to the Lord, comes down, talks to the people goes back to the mountain, talks to the Lord. We don't know how long it took him. 
We don't know when he went and told the people if he went around tribe by tribe, by tribe by tribe, because there's like a million people of how he did that. It might have taken a long time. He goes to the people. The Lord said to Moses, go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You will set limits for people all around the mountain. He's going to draw a boundary line around the whole mountain. Saying, take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain will be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. This is bow and arrow shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, then shall come up. Then they can come up to the mountain. It's when the all clear trumpet blast. Who's going to blow that trumpet? It's not Moses. Oh, right. So Moses go down and tells all the people they all get ready. Three days. They mark off the edge of this mountain that you can't touch it. You can't go up it or you'll be killed. And then the Lord comes down and there's black smoke on it. All kinds of stuff lights on fire and burns up. Uh, there's lightning, a thick cloud, a very loud trumpet blast. So all the people in the camp trembled. So one time I was in marching band and we're out practicing on the field on a Friday at noon. And the storm alarm test went off every Friday at noon, you know. And we're like standing under it. And the band director, we couldn't hear a word he said. We had no idea. And he, he was aggravated. He had his bullhorn, didn't work. We're all sitting there. We can't hear you. And then uh, they would put us at ease where you would hold your horn like this and you'd put your head down. You didn't have to stand at attention. You'd put your horn down. And so he, just up on his box, he went like that. And then that, we all knew, oh, okay. And that thing went on for so long, you guys. And we were just like, gosh, this. And you had enough time to sit there and all you hear is the, ah! and I just thought, if, if you heard this during a storm this loud, I don't know what would be scarier. Like the storm or the siren. Well, these people heard a trumpet. And as soon as you hear trumpet, you think brass instrument. No, no, no. This is all animal horns. This is all, you know, lower pitch, everything. They heard that and they were terrified. Something on that mountain is making lightning, dense black smoke, and is blowing an alert horn that you would use for battle or emergency. It is not musical. It was, horns were not used for music for another few thousand years. So there is a just very scary, terrifying thing going on. And all the people are scared. It's in the midst of this, and it's not written here, it's over in Deuteronomy, but it's in the midst of this where the people said, Moses... Don't let God talk to us. If God talks to us, we will die. 
you have to talk to us for God. They were so scared. This is what they're talking about in Hebrews. So I just read all this stuff. If you touch the mountain, you're going to get stoned or shot with arrows. And so it sounds like you can't touch it, right? Well, you can touch it, and that's the problem. You have the ability to rebel against God and touch that mountain. Do what he said not to do. You, you have the freedom and the, uh, the capability to send your, send your animals up the side of the mountain to this holy thing that's happening and go interrupt it all you want. And the judgment that comes from that is that your animals will get stoned and shot with arrows and you'll get stoned and shot with arrows. The other wild thing about this is, okay, you think, okay, you're not going to lay a hand. He specifically says, God specifically says, don't kill anybody that goes up on the mountain by laying hands on them. Why? Because then you too would have to go up the mountain and lay hands on them. It is so separated and so off that the punishment, you can't even get in, you can't even break the law to execute the punishment for breaking the law. Does that make sense? It's just so do not touch. So in Hebrews, when he says, you have not come to what may be touched, as scary and terrible and powerful as that thing was, people were able to rebel and touch it because it was the law. And the law was breakable. We would all break the law. So what have you come to? You've come to something else. You have not come to what may be touched. A blazing fire, darkness, gloom, a tempest, the sound of a trumpet, a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. They could not endure the order that was given. Even if a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you, you have not come to that. But you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. <gasps> that was all one sentence. We are not coming to a thing that we can touch out of rebellion and get punished. We are coming to an untouchable, because the New Jerusalem, it hasn't come down, right? And as, as unwelcoming as that mountain sounds, with a trumpet blast and fire and lightning and black smoke, seems like the most unhospitable, I do not want to go there. The only reason why I'd want to go there is out of rebellion. Right? I want to test it. Does, that, does it hurt if I touch that electric fence? And what do you do? You touch it to see if it hurts. <laughs> Which is just the dumbest little country boy thing you can do. 
Because if it does hurt, it's going to hurt. Are you ready for it? (laughs) Instead, you're not coming to a thing that's scary and you want to test it to see if it really does bring judgment. Instead, you are coming to an absolute party. You are coming to the city of the living God. A city is welcoming. A city wants you to come in. You are welcome in this city. You are coming to innumerable angels in festal gathering. You are coming to angels who are partying. That's what that means. They are celebrating. It says all of heaven celebrates when one person When one sinner turns to God, they are celebrating. It is joyful. It is, yeah! To the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Okay, so this is really wild. So in these times, there would be a census taken of the city, and all who are citizens of the city, not visitors, not outsiders, not people that lived there but didn't have citizenship, right? Remember what a big deal it was when Paul was a Roman citizen and how that just gave him free passage to do pretty much whatever he wanted? There would be a book, an enrollment of citizens of a city. And this isn't the only place that talks about this. Uh, In Revelation, it talks about the Lamb's book of life. Where everybody who is saved, everyone who believes in Jesus and has had salvation, their name is written down in that book. Even Jesus says when the disciples come back and they say, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We healed the sick. We rose the people from the dead in your name. Even demons submitted to us. He says, don't rejoice that demons submitted to you. But rejoice instead that your names are written in the book of life. Jesus mentions it. Now, is there literally a book of life sitting around in heaven somewhere that's like 75 feet thick and you got to turn the pages real hard because it's so hard to open such a big, thick book? I don't know. But whenever in their culture, when they mentioned that, they would think of a real book down at the city hall that had the names of all the citizens in it that when you switched and moved to another city and you want to keep your citizenship, they'd contact that other city and move your name. It was a thing. And so we're not coming to this scary mountain with fire. We're coming to a city that's welcoming. We're coming to a party of angels. And they are just, I cannot imagine how angels party, but I bet it's awesome. And we're coming to a place where all the people who are citizens, residents of that city, have their names written in that book. And if we're coming there, our names are in that book too. I don't know if you've ever been to a thing where you sign up ahead of time and you show up and you walk up and you're like, uh, they're like, oh, what's your name? And you're like, Dan Sullivan. Don't say that. That's what I say. And uh, they look down the thing. And they go, oh, Dan Sullivan, I got you right here. Yep, okay. And they mark down your thing and they give you your packet. And you're like, all right, they were expecting me. Oh, 
Once I went to San Francisco, I was going to see Steve Jobs. He's going to announce the new Mac thing. I go into Macworld. I had tickets. I had it all arranged. I had like the best deal of the whole thing. I went up to the desk. They said, what's your name? I said, Dan Sullivan. They go, yeah, we don't have you in here. And I had this moment of terror. Like I just flew in an airplane. I'm staying at my aunt's house. I've took the train for two hours from three o'clock in the morning and now my name is not in it and there's some worry and my boss was along with me and he already had his ticket and he already had his thing but I had the gold platinum whatever blah 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 and my name was not written in it and I was nervous because I thought what am I going to do for the next week I was so excited I can't even go out and like being a raffle. I mean, I can't even go in the building, nothing. And they went through all this business and all this stuff. And long story short, they got me in and I had my gold pass and it was all awesome. But I had so much unconfidence and fear for that 45 minutes while they tried to figure it out. Right. I'll tell you one more story real quick. I've been to these things to two where I walk in the door and people know I'm coming. And they write down the name tag, Sully. This is, yeah. And the guy walks up to me, he's like, Sully, I'm glad to see you. And before he even shakes my hand or gives me my welcome packet, he slaps my name tag down on my chest and it says Sully. That's what this is. It says also in Revelation that there's a nickname that you're going to have on a name tag that's only known between you and Jesus. That's how intimately close you are with him. So we're not coming to a scary, we're going to have somebody shoot you in the back with an arrow if you set foot on this mountain to test God because of this black thunder and this low trumpet sound. We are coming to a city that is welcoming. There are angels partying and there is someone there that is expecting you with your nickname written on a name tag that he's going to slap on you and give you a hug. That's what we're coming to. The living God, innumerable angels in festal gathering, the assembly of the firstborn who had rolled in heaven and... <laughs> Hold on, I can't see. And to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. That we're going to see people there and recognize them that we've known. We're going to see the perfect version of people who have passed away. We're going to see spirits of the righteous made perfect. We're going to be see people that we've known and we're going to see people that we haven't known. I'm going to be like, dude, C.S. Lewis, I have I shave with this razor that existed while you were alive. Is there any chance that I'm shaving with your razor? And he's going to be like, no, I'm British. You're American. Get away from me. No, there won't be sin. He'll be righteous. So he'll say I'm silly. We're going to see an open city, a big party of angels. We're going to be welcomed into the enrollment and be enrolled. And God, the judge of all, the judge of all, 
He's the one that decides and he's welcomed us in. So there's no fear. Spiritually, the righteous made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, Jesus is going to be there. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What in the world does that mean? That every sin that we show up with is going to be gone. All of your sins are taken away. No sin can dwell in God's presence. There's one commentator I read and I was like, okay, that's awesome. No, no sin can be in God's presence. And the whole world has fallen, right? We have floods, we have tornadoes, we have all this terrible stuff. And one commentator said that when God's presence came down onto Mount Zion or Mount Sinai, the sin in the earth of Mount Sinai burned because of God's great holiness. And that's why there was just lightning and black smoke because just even the fallen creation could not bear to be in God's presence and continue to exist. <laughs> wow. So we can't touch it. We can't, right? I can't reach out and grab the new Jerusalem. I can't figure out where on a map this city is that I'm coming to and go there. Other, otherwise I would. It's bigger. It's better than that. It doesn't, it's not even, it's not even physical. It's just beyond. See that this verse 25, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. It's a, it comes back to a warning. As awesome as that sounds, the Jesus, the faith that we come to is so welcoming and so encouraging and so beckoning. And it's offered to everybody, but not everybody's going to take it. Don't miss it. Don't miss out. Don't think you'll escape for anything better. At that time, his voice shook the earth. So when the earth shook on Mount Sinai, the ancient rabbis taught that the whole earth shook. Not just Mount Sinai. Which is really funny because now... If you look at the U.S. Geological Survey, you can see where they detect earthquakes. And they can detect earthquakes anywhere on Earth from anywhere on the Earth. It really does shake the whole Earth. So the Bible isn't a science book, but they were right about that. God shook the whole Earth when he came down to Mount Sinai and gave the law. All right, what else does that mean? That means that his law coming to the Earth affected the Philistines. It affected people in China. It affected the Aboriginal peoples in Australia. It affects everyone. His law affects the whole earth. Do you get like the, the symbolism there too? It affects the whole earth. At that time, his voice shook the whole earth, but now he has promised, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. 
This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. There is going to be one more shake that will be on the magnitude even bigger than the Mount Sinai shake that shook the whole earth. Once more, God is going to shake, disturb, move all of creation. Not just heaven, not just earth, but heaven also. And bring down the destruction of every single thing that has been created. Every single thing will be shaken. And so that lets us think about, okay, I am setting my eyes on this welcoming city full of all the righteous people that have ever lived and all the angels and they're partying and I am welcome there and my, my name is written down in that book and I have citizenship there and Jesus is going to slap his name tag on me. But I really want a corn dog dagnabbit and I'm going to be mean to that person in the checkout line if they don't give me my corn dog and I'm going to cut off people in traffic if they don't give me my corn dog and I want it right now do you see how dumb that is so it's not to say we don't want anything corn dogs are perfectly good things but it helps us affect our perspective there's stuff that we want there's things in this world that can distract us. Jesus said it was the, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth would choke us off. And the way that you keep from getting choked off by the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth is to not focus on all the stuff in this life to worry about and all the deceitfulness of wealth. You don't have to be rich to get ripped off by the deceitful of wealth, deceitfulness of wealth, right? There's a lot of poor people that get ripped off by the deceitfulness of wealth too. But we set our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We set our eyes on checking our citizenship in that city. Because everything's going to get shaken. Indicates the removal of things that are shaken, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken will remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I want, I want to get rid of every sin that attaches, right? Throw off every weight. If God is a consuming fire and nothing unholy can be in his presence, I want to know every unholy thing that I think or believe and I want to get it gone. But that's great and that's good. That's a good thing to do. But guess what? Jesus already did it. He already cleaned every unholy thing off of me. Romans 10.4 says Jesus is the end of the law. There's no more work stuff and revelation 8 has all this crazy stuff about oh my gosh it could be literally an earthquake it could literally shake the earth we can turn all that into fear i could i could do one of these 
roar, roar, and shout hellfire and brimstone. I don't think that's the right way he goes. I think the way the writer of Hebrews goes is, let's do it. Let's seek after Jesus with all of our heart. Let's get in such a habit of looking to him that when somebody cuts me off at the grocery store and I can't buy my corn dog, I'm like, you know what? I will have an endless supply of kosher hot dogs, corn dogs in heaven, and I will eat them with Jesus. And I will be waiting in line with Jesus. And when somebody cuts us off, that just means more time I get to spend with Jesus. So I don't need to get mad. Don't need to lose it. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you give us your promise of heaven. That you give us your promise that you have already taken away our sins. You finished off that law that we couldn't draw near to that mountain. And instead, you have turned it into a welcoming committee, a joyful welcoming party that we are all invited to. And you've already got our name on the guest list. Lord, help us to seal that sight down into our souls that we won't forget it when stupid stuff happens to us this week. And may we hold up this hope that other people would see it too and other people would believe and other people could get their names written in that book too. We thank you and we love you and we praise you, Jesus. Amen.